Can you feel it? Your heart beats faster. You struggle to catch your breath. Your mind races. The time has come once again for the Deep Dive Podcast's Horror Month. Join us if you dare. Hello, divers. Welcome to week three of Horror Month 2021. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang Shop Movie Magazine. And sadly, once again, my podcasting partner, Amanda is under the spell of a renegade vampire and can't be with us because I record during the daytime. (sighs) Well, we hope she's back with us here soon. This week, we open our wallets, both real and digital, and waste time and money on those horror movie franchises we all know and love and hate at the same time. But horror movie franchises are not a recent thing, not by any stretch of the imagination. In 1931, Universal Pictures released the vampire classic Dracula, starring Bela Lugosi, and that same year released Frankenstein with Boris Karloff. The success of those films had Universal looking for more monsters to put on the silver screen. The Mummy followed in 1932, and The Invisible Man in 33. Even though Hollywood was still relatively young, studios knew that sequels could equal profits. You've got a built-in audience who love the original, so they're more inclined to see more of the same. So in 1935, Universal released Bride of Frankenstein, followed the next year by Dracula's Daughter, Both were successful, but after a change in leadership at Universal, development of horror movies was sort of put out to pasture. But as you know, you can't keep a good monster down. All it took was a full moon and a lot of fur. Sarah Jugular. Is that the way Jenny Williams was killed? Yes. Find something? Animal tracks. Whoever is beaten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf beat you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. saw the return of monsters to Universal Pictures with the release of The Wolfman. Lon Chaney Jr. received praise for his tortured portrayal of a poor soul cursed by the bite of a wolf and condemned to transform into a deadly half-man, half-monster during the full moon.
The success of The Wolfman opened the floodgates for more monster sequels during the 1940s. Titles like The Mummy's Tomb, Son of Dracula, and the first horror crossover, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, thrilled horror fans and studio executives alike. The decade ended on a decidedly less scary note, with Universal's monsters being well, relegated to supporting roles to popular comedy duo Abbott and Costello. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified, but hilariously. <laughs> Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. As the 1950s rolled around, new and improved and more radioactive monsters took to the screen. The major universal monster franchise of that decade was 1954's The Creature from the Black Lagoon. That frightening amphibian starred in a trilogy of movies. The original was followed by Revenge of the Creature and finally The Creature Walks Among Us. There were several horror movies screened during the 70s that would spawn several sequels, I love alliteration, uh, including The Omen and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh, and of course, the original Halloween. However, it was in the 1980s that horror movie franchises would proliferate. Perhaps the biggest and baddest of the bunch premiered on May 9th, 1980, and proved once and for all that camping plus premarital relations equals stabby, slashy, bloody death. Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One.
Can I help you? Hello? Eight. everyone's favorite unstoppable murderous hockey enthusiast is front and center in the history of horror franchises. Now, even though the original Friday only had a jump scare cameo by Jason Voorhees at the end, he would appear in all subsequent films in the franchise with, spoiler alert, the exception of part five, which featured a Jason imposter. All in all, from 1980 to 2003, there were 11 films in the Friday series. Now, that's not including the 2009 remake, which is out of continuity. The last film to feature the original Jason Voorhees also starred another famous franchisee. After making his final film appearance, Freddy Krueger would take Jason with him into the pit of hell where 80s franchises go when they die. But before then, there were the nightmares. So many of them. So in 1984, it seemed like slasher films were on the wane. Movies like Terror Train, Prom Night, My Bloody Valentine, and Maniac seemed to wear down audiences' taste for blood. So it was time to add a new element to the genre. And director Wes Craven knew exactly where to go for inspiration. Dreams. After reading newspaper articles about cases where people, for no apparent reason, simply die in their sleep, Craven came up with the idea of a killer that stalks people's dreams. This not only provided a seemingly unstoppable antagonist, but because of the dream element, the film did not have to be grounded in reality. This allowed for truly surreal and imaginative special effects to be used. The result? 
1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. It's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. After Nightmare scared up terrific box office, a sequel was naturally rushed into production without Wes Craven. While it did well, fans missed the characters from the original and didn't really connect with the sequel. And so Wes Craven was brought back to write the third film, Dream Warriors. That woke up the franchise and led to eight films total, once again not counting the 2010 reboot. The grandpappy of this list, though, is the one that pretty much started the whole slasher craze of the 1980s. The timeless tale of a man, a bleached William Shatner mask, and a babysitter. The one, the only, the classic Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. <laughs> I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a little... Halloween. <laughs> okay, lady. Come on out. 
Michael Myers, also referred to as The Shape, silently slashed his way through Haddonfield, Illinois on Halloween night 1978. The film was a surprise sensation and even impressed many critics with its moody cinematography, believable characters, and creepy score composed by director John Carpenter himself. When it came to making a follow-up, Carpenter wasn't all that interested. It was really just a way to capitalize on the slasher craze that the original Halloween started. But money talks, even if Michael Myers does not. So Carpenter returned to write the sequel and left the directing chores to a young man from the American Film Institute, Rick Rosenthal. Halloween 2 is a direct sequel taking place on the same night as the original. In fact, the film begins only minutes after the first movie ends. So while the sequel did well at the box office, it was critically panned, mostly due to the increased level of blood and gore, which some found needlessly excessive. Halloween 2 was supposed to end Michael Myers' story then and there, and it did, for a while. When time came to talk about a next entry in the Halloween franchise, John Carpenter hit upon a novel idea, make a new Halloween film every year but make it an anthology series a different scary story set on halloween night pretty cool idea or you would think halloween 3 which we discussed last week had no michael myers it did have a creepy irish dude who tried to murder millions of children by using booby trap halloween masks that were triggered by watching a tv commercial <sighs> because why not well needless to say halloween 3 was not received well at the time some attributed it to the fact that audiences were confused that Michael Myers wasn't in it, and some feel that the movie was just not very good. But in recent years, the movie had gained some appreciation from horror fans as a truly bizarre little tale of science and sorcery gone wrong. And I, of course, love it. But you have to give the people what they want, and what they wanted was more Michael. It wouldn't be until six years later that fans would get their wish. In 1988, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, was released at a time when slasher movies were, well, dead. But the film performed well enough at the box office to go back to the well again, and again, and again. As of this recording, the Halloween franchise has produced nine theatrically released films, with another, Halloween Kills, opening today now a final i mean we've heard that before installation called halloween ends should be released this time next year oh and i am not counting the rob zombie halloween films here and neither should you enough said now, there are several horror franchises out there that you may not even realize have numerous sequels to their name one in particular could be considered mm, to be an underground hit. Perfection, a scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 
It's Edgar Deans. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. <laughs> Who could be doing it? Is that a snake? I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. <laughs> how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell are those things? How could they eat a whole station wagon? But where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. You see, they're headed right for us. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming! No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground! Tremors. Yes, indeed. 1990s Tremors with Kevin Bacon, Reba McIntyre, and a trio of massive, disgusting, burrowing worm creatures has become quite the unexpected franchise over the past 30 years. It took six years for the first sequel, Tremors 2 Aftershocks. It would also be the last of the Tremors movies to be released in theaters. The next five movies were released direct to video. Just like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, Tremors also had a TV series that ran for 13 episodes on the Sci-Fi Channel back in 2003. What? You didn't know about the other TV series? Oh, it's true. Friday the 13th, the series ran for three seasons from 1987 to 1990. Now, it literally had nothing to do with Jason Voorhees or Camp Crystal Lake, but it was a pretty good show. It dealt with three strangers having to recover cursed antiques before the antiques kill their new owners. At around the same time, Freddy's Nightmares premiered on TV screens. It was mostly an anthology series, quote-unquote, hosted by Freddy Krueger, with the Claude Killer making appearances in every episode and sometimes actually being involved in the stories. That show lasted two seasons. Now in recent years, franchises like The Purge and The Saw movies have carried the proverbial torch with multiple films. However, the reboot seems to be the preferred method of continuing a classic horror franchise with Candyman, Chucky from the Child's Play movies, Children of the Corn, that's a lot of C words. But what current crop of horror movies will become franchises of the future? Well, Netflix is off to a good start with a popular blend of nostalgia and horror. The Fear Street movies, they have been a hit for the streaming service and there's no reason to think that that's the end of it. But in the end, all these popular horror franchises, from Halloween to Hellraiser, from Phantasm to Poltergeist, will be scaring us for a long, long time. All the movies and shows that I have mentioned can be found on the usual streaming services for rent or purchase. We're talking uh, Apple TV, 
We're talking Netflix, we're talking Hulu, we're talking Amazon Prime, HBO Max, all the above. So check those out. And yes, time for a shameless plug. We have a new Halloween t-shirt in our merch store. That's right. It is professionally designed by a non-professional, which is myself. But it is available right now from Teespring on our website, the Deep Dive Podcast. Dot com. So check that out. Buy two, save one for later. There you go. How about that? <laughs> so keep sending, by the way, those good vibes to Manda. We hope to have her back with us very, very soon. So make sure you do that. And now, what is our next episode going to be about for Horror Month 2021? Well, here's a question for you What is the deal with twins? They look the same. Sometimes they dress the same. And others, well, they seem to enjoy murder and mayhem. So we're going to do a double take when we look at those terrible twins. That's next time on Horror Month 2021. Now, if you like this podcast, and why wouldn't you really? Please subscribe and review. If you want to know where to do that, check out our link on our website that I mentioned before, thedeepdivepodcast.com. And thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your therapist, and we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios. Uh, uh, uh.